and welcome everybody to the Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast. It's so good to be with you. Pastor Josiah here, um, your, your usual drive home for the Scripture Podcast. Wherever you're listening to us, I hope uh, this is helping you out and being committed to the habit of uh, reading your scriptures, studying them, using basic good hermeneutic. If you don't know what that word means, look it up. You need it, people. Um, ba- using basic hermeneutic principles. We are not solving ancient mysteries on this show. Instead, we um, are taking one verse from a version verse of the day, typically, although I've got a surprise for you guys today. And uh, we are looking at it in good context, trying to at least touch what the original author meant to his original audience, and then um, see if we can see Christ in any way reflected in the scripture in front of us. And we hope that will shed light. We believe these good rules of thumb will shed light on the scripture. As I've mentioned before, I don't take hours to prep on each verse because I'm trying not to cheat. Um, I try to just open it up with you guys, take a look at it, use good hermeneutical principles that I've learned and that have been taught to me. They're not original with me. I didn't make them up. I'm not that smart, but it's the same principles that you'd use to understand any written material. So again, it's not these are not esoteric things. These are not um, for scholars only. These are basic ways to understand written stuff that'll be good rules of thumb to help us not misuse scripture. And without fail, when we apply these things to scripture, it actually adds, it doesn't solve all of our problems, it doesn't answer all of our questions, but it actually adds power and to the verse because it's meant to be understood and it's in its context for a reason. And so it's just been a good thing. Now, uh, what surprise do I have for you today? I've put the line, I've put the fishing line out there many times and said, hey, if you guys have a question, you have a verse you'd like to see on the show. And I've had a few bites. Several of you have been very faithful to text me or walk up to me on at church or email me, J-S-E-R-R-A at thecrosspoint.com and to ask a question or give me a favorite verse. But we're going to go one more. I had a guy come walking up to me at church and said he had a question, a verse he'd like to see uh, done on the program. And since he wasn't moving too fast, I said, man, why don't you, if you get a day off, why don't you come up and ask your question on the show? So he's actually here this morning and he's going to introduce himself. Uh, I'm Aaron Meyer and uh, my verse that I had was, it's actually a few verses. So it's 1 John 2, 12 through 14. Excuse me. So first John, I'm going to go there. I got my U version out here. So first John chapter what? Two. Two. 12 through 14. And it wasn't really uh, a question about what the verses say themselves. It was about the way that it's written in the Bible because it's separate, like it's a poem or a song, but it doesn't specify what it is. So I was curious where it comes from, if he's quoting someone or why it's written that way. Dang. You're trying to get all you can for your money. Is that right, Aaron? <laughs> no. See, I've inconvenienced him and brought him here, and now I'm trying to make him feel bad. All right. Let's use our usual. We'll just we'll give it the Crosspoint Church Scripture Podcast treatment and see where we can get to. Okay. So first of all, we go. First uh, John is written to a congregation that John obviously knows. There's not a lot of information in it, and First John is very uniquely written for those of you who um, are regular Bible readers. You can tell, man, when you get into First John, you can tell you're in a little bit of a different world here. John has a very unique uh, way of writing. He likes to circle back on certain themes. I think that'll be a clue here uh, to what we're about ready to read. Cause Aaron's right. As he's reading through his instincts are right. This is, this stands out. I can't speak for your translation of the Bible. What are you reading there? Aaron? 
Uh, the ESV. Yeah, and the ESV, and I think in most translations, they actually pull this part out that Aaron and I are about ready to look at, uh, these verses that he's named. They actually pull them out, and they put them in that poetry um, look. Like, they'll go ahead and reformat it to um, make it look like it was either... Now, here's our option. So, first of all, Aaron, you were asking, within context, what is this, or why does it look different? There's definitely different theories on it. So like as usual, we're not going to solve we're not going to solve it here. But something that could possibly be is this might have been a hymn uh, that they were used to singing together, which seems a little different for us. But if you think about the culture, a lot of these came from when you think hymn, I can't speak for anyone out there. I'm 38 years old. I was raised in a Assemblies of God denomination. So I'm thinking I'll fly away. Or, you know, like a hymn that's set to like a catchy but simple piano tune. And it's got like 50 verses that no one ever sings. They just pick out the one that they like, like Amazing Grace. Usually people don't know how many verses it actually has. And it was a way. Now, the thing is that has stayed the same is that when like in hymns, you learn a lot of theology, but you don't know you're learning it because you're singing it to words that rhyme with each other. Did you grow up singing hymns at all? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, that was the idea behind it. And I think the way they format this, this could be a hymn and you say, it doesn't look like one to me. Think about the Psalms as well. A lot of us kind of know this, but it's hard to wrap our minds around. The Psalms were actually meant to be sung or chanted. And if you think about the way the Psalms look, they look a lot like this. Am I making that up or? No, that makes sense. All right. So it's kind of, it seems like it's put together as something you would sing or chant together that would be like a, well, here, and we'll read it too. So it's just kind of, to me, it's kind of cool. i not a scholar, can't say this is absolutely what it is, but it, it seems that this may have even been a hymn that this church would have actually sung or chanted together. So kind of cool. So first of all, just reading it from the ESV. So we're in first John chapter two. And we're going to read verses 12 through 14. And it goes like this. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now, to my amateur ears, it even seems to have somewhat of a musical quality to it. And it's got the same type of repetition that you'd see in a hymn or a psalm where one theme builds on another or else will circle back to another. And it has that same quality that the psalms have where um, each uh, verse kind of feeds on or is built on the uh, foundation of the one before it, which is beautiful for context because we love context here on the podcast. And this sort of thing really repays you. You kind of get like that aha type moment if you are paying attention to what came before. I think a good way to ruin this for yourself is to focus way too hard on each individual verse sort of like digging on each one, looking for the hidden meaning or why is it like this? Whereas what really will repay you is, okay, when you read it from 12 through 14, like we have, it really repays you because you you see the purposeful repetition as you go from phrase to phrase. So let's look closer so we can know what we're talking about. 
So first of all, in verse 12, it says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. Now, just looking at the context and what he's saying, knowing that Jesus said, how can you become a part of the kingdom of God? Well, you have to be born again. And then Jesus would say repeatedly, unless you become like a little child, you can in no way enter the kingdom of God. You're familiar with that, Mm -hmm. Aaron? So interesting here, he says, I'm writing to you. Now you could get, we could get really pedantic and say, maybe he's just writing to the kids in the congregation, knowing this culture back then, extremely unlikely just really extremely unlikely, way more likely. And within our context, within our our text here, it seems like he's just continuing to write to the whole congregation as he always has. So in a kind of an eye-opening way, he's, he's writing to all of them and in this way, addressing them as little children. And then he draws them to how they first became a Christian in the first place. So I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. So that's how someone becomes a follower of Christ in the first place, is that their sins are forgiven. And their sins are forgiven because Jesus died for their sins. So it's to his glory. And you go back through First John, you'll see a lot of First John is focused on this, that Jesus Christ died not only for our sins, but the sins of the whole world and on and on. So from verse 12, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. 13, it seems like he's still kind of talking to the congregation as a whole, but now he goes, so he's talked to the children. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. So who's there at the beginning of a child's life? The father. And so he's writing saying, you guys are fathers because you're becoming, you know him who was from the beginning, our father who is from in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he says, and when you, in Christ, you're a child, you've been made new, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. In Christ, you are fathers because you know the father in heaven. Now, now he goes, children, fathers, and then I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. Now we have like a battle um, thing here. So he's addressing them as young men and talking about their overcoming the evil one. I write to you, now we return to children because you know the Father. So it's not all, now look back in 13. Who knows the one who's from the beginning? Uh, the fathers. Yeah, and then he goes down kind of neat here. I write to you children because you know the Father too. It's like a wraparound that you would miss if you just try too hard and stay on 12. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, I write to you children because you also know the Father I write to you fathers, you have a repetition here, because you know him who is from the beginning. I know I write to you young men because you are strong. Now that kind of fills out or make sure that we're not just guessing. So my little, um, going back up to 12 or uh, 13, I'm writing to you young men because you've overcome the evil one. Okay, pretty neat that I think that's because it's a battle thing. It's young men, it's they're strong, they overcome the devil. But what's neat with if you follow context is when you come down here, um, John kind of confirms that he says, I write to you young men because you are strong, you know? So just staying within the context of this hymn here, it's helping us to understand it itself. So when they're addressed as young men, you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. All right. So to, I, to our ears and just going by the context of these verses, it really seems like this is a hymn. Um, that would be either sung or chanted together so that as you did it and it begins to stick in your memory and you're doing it as a congregation, you would begin to 
see, it's kind of gives you a basic identity of the Christian in here. You have your beginning of being born again. Um, you know that you, the father is making, we're being made in God's image. We're being, you know, remade in the image of Christ. And we know the father who is from the beginning and we need, and we're going to be like him when we see him. And then we are overcomers of the devil and of the evil one as, as young men would be. So pretty cool. And we don't have to like do what I love about it. And what's really, uh, nice for our context here on the show is that you don't have to do a lot of guessing. Does that make sense? Yeah. You don't have to try to load it with a bunch of like cool stuff. It's like just following basic, you know, hermeneutical principles. You can say, yeah, I get this. I, I think I get this. I don't think it's supposed to be a code or an ancient mystery. I think it's just a neat, um, way of looking at it, you know, and something that would make, Hey, we need one of you hipster hymn bands out there to set this to music. Anyone? I'll wait by, I'll wait by the, I'll wait by the phone. Okay. Now, um, what's interesting, Aaron, what do you think about seeing Christ in these verses? Like, I know it's a little bit on the spot, but what do you think? Um, in the, uh, writing to you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning, um, I could see Jesus in that because he knew the father from the beginning. Yeah. you can almost hear him saying that too. Can't you mm-hmm. through the gospel of John, especially I come from my father. I'm from my father. If you guys knew him, you would love me. Remember all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. What else? Overcome the evil one. Um, because you're strong because the God of the word of God abides in you. All those things apply. Yeah, I'm seeing Jesus in the garden. Remember when he goes, hey, the God of this world, the, you know, the evil one is coming for me, but he's got nothing in me. Now is, the, you know, now is the darkness defeated. Now, you know, I'm remembering all of Jesus being like, yeah, it's on, man. I'm going to the garden of Gethsemane. He, he overcomes the temptation, says, God, not my will, but your will be done. He's crucified and overcome. And then he says repeatedly, I have overcome the world. I have destroyed the work of the devil. Uh, the Bible somewhere else, and I should know, but I don't know, expressly says Jesus Christ appeared to destroy the work of the devil. Mm-hmm. And it might be, I, it would be really neat if I'm right. I think that's in first John, but I'm not sure I'm guessing, but I know it, I know it says it and I think it might be in first John. I'm not sure, but that'd be pretty cool. And then what else you see anything else in there that you'd say kind of seeing Christ in these verses? Um, no, those are the ones that stood out to me. Yeah. I think we did a pretty good job. All right. To you fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. Yeah. You're strong let the children come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. I remember that from the gospel of John as well. I'm writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven. Okay, sweet. All right. So, you know, again, just with context, I think the beautiful part here is if you stick to it, I think we can see um, the meaning behind this, these verses and see how they could be used to build up a congregation. Um, as far as seeing Christ in the verses been pretty easy. I think between Aaron and I, we knocked it out pretty good. And then, you know, the original author's intent to his original audience, it kind of goes with the rest of the flow of first John. Um, and first John, the author is writing to a congregation and strengthening them in every way. He's talking about sin and walking in the light as Christ is in the light and so on and so forth and overcoming the evil one. And this just fits in. It just seems like it's put in there as a congregational sing-along in order to keep going with Mm. do not love the world, warnings against the Antichrist, and so on. So, 
Aaron, what do you think, man? Did you get your 50 cents worth or? Yeah. Yeah. That was my question was <laughs> what it, why it was written that way. Cause I see things like that all the time, but usually it tells you or it's quoted from another book or something mm. like that. This one didn't have any kind of context at all. Yeah. And it's, and I love this show and I'm love you asking this and that you can get on here and talk with me about it because I think it makes, I mean, it's always going to stick in your mind, right? If you're like, why is this like this? Mm-hmm. It kind of sticks in your mind and it, and if it kind of bothers you for a while, it can get old then you don't want to read it anymore you know it's like i don't want this to be a problem why is it a problem so it's neat to talk about it and just see hey it's intended to teach it was probably a hymn good you know now it's just something cool instead of confusing or hard yeah white man i really appreciate you listening i really appreciate you coming on you you went the extra mile so if you want to be like aaron if you're listening today and you want to be like aaron man email me call we'd love to have you on here love to have your bible questions on here and i hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode and we will see you next time